I saw this uh, from Matt Lombardo. Um, the commanders were named as a team that could surprise and exceed expectations. And I quote, I feel like Washington is better than people realize, at least from a personnel standpoint. They have a lot of good players. I'm talking about several players that every team in the league would like uh, to take if they were available. Uh-huh. Said also an anonymous NFC North scouting director. And the question was, will the commanders make the playoffs? Boys, who's a, who do you think is going to be a disappointment of a team this coming year that a lot of people are uh, saying this is one to look at? And who's going to be a surprise of people saying that they're not going to be good, but they'll exceed expectations? I think the Lions, I think the Lions are going to be disappointing some people. Well, I know that's easy to say with, because of the second media darling. They lost people in this gambling thing. Yeah. I think the Lions are going to be one of those teams. The whole season. There's always a team that everyone, they prop up. They're like, this is the team to watch, this team to watch. What have the Lions done their entire, I know the roster's better. Dan Campbell's a great coach. Don't get me wrong. And they play for the guy. Like, he's a big, you know, kickstart. But the Lions literally, their Super Bowl last year was denying the Packers a right to the playoffs. And they were also weren't in the playoffs. Like, oh. they were done. This could be the logical step of liking them because they have a shot at making the playoffs this year. Yeah. Not necessarily being that kind of team that's like, one that has the potential to win it all. When have you thought? But to make the playoffs. When have you thought of the Lions to open up an NFL season, uh, you know, going against you know, the Chiefs? Like, they have pri- that's the prime game. When Barry Sanders was on the team? I thought Lions when are Megatron the team that's going to not, not hit their expectations. What about if you're talking about a team that could be a lot better than you actually think? How about the Cleveland Browns? I mean, you look at you look at Deshaun Watson. That was a top five quarterback before all of the massage incidents. Mm-hmm. He looked rusty as hell last year. He played in he played in what maybe half a season yeah. at best. But you look at that Cleveland team. The defense is actually pretty good. Yeah, and and the front seven's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You look at the fact that Nick Chubb, if he stays healthy clearly is a top five running back in the NFL. Yeah. And then you look at some of the wide receivers that they've acquired. Amari Cooper, dude's just like an automatic thousand yards. Yeah. Uh, you look at Elijah Moore finally getting out of the doghouse. Um, that was New York for him. Like they, they got some talent around Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson can find kind of that older version from a few years ago, well, let me ask you, Rowdy. I mean, they they could be pretty freaking good. You think yeah. that Sean Watson is knocking rust off last year and also everything going on surrounding his, you know, outside of the football field? Like, it was getting back to the NFL after taking a year off and knocking rust off and then also the extracurriculars that well, involved. I don't know if, if Deshaun Watson's ever going to be good at, as a quarterback in the NFL again. I mean. doesn't have to be. He's getting paid. But exactly. Like, yeah. he he's set he signed that huge guaranteed deal but just in general for like the team moving forward I don't know if he's ever going to be good again maybe he won't but if I'm looking at the roster around him if he is good this Cleveland team could be pretty darn good yeah Mm -hmm. and you can't say that with some of these other teams like I just you look at some of them and it's like I don't know how they're going to (laughs) be anything like Arizona Cardinals gonna be be bad so bad yeah like, what, is, isn't Murray on the pup list too to start the season? It doesn't matter. Yeah, he's that roster is terrible. What like, was the name of their starting quarterback? Uh, it's going to be Clayton Toon. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. It was either him. It was between him, David Blau, and Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy, and so then they they're like, McCoy. "Yeah, we're going to cut you, Colt. Your time here's over." <laughs> so, who's a team that will surprise, and who's a team that will disappoint? Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy, and we got some time to talk about it. Hmm. Team that'll disappoint. I'm throwing the Lions. I'm throwing that out there. <laughs> um, Think about it. Yeah, Think about it. No, got to. Let's go to the phones. I need some time. Line one. Hello. Who's this? Morning, boys. This is Vagabond Johnny. Vag- Vagabond Johnny. I was hoping you'd call in. Uh, got to hear your Badgers take as well as your NFL take. Yeah, I love this conversation. Uh, real quick, off the top, team that'll disappoint going right for the New York Jets. Ooh. Team only because they're offensive you know, line listening sucks? to the national things, the expectations are Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? If they don't make it to the Super Bowl, they disappoint. And I'm like, well, that's pretty easy to pick. We know that as Packer fans field. every year with Rodgers. I can take the field against the Jets to make the yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, um, and yeah. then Sorry. team to overperform. I'm going with 
My co-worker's favorite team, the Washington Commanders. Oh! oh you're trying to win hearts and minds of the Twins, too, aren't you? You work with G-Dub? <laughs> G-Dub and Dougie? That... <laughs> I do not. I, uh, those guys might be a little bit more fun than the guys I work with. But, you know. <laughs> they are. I can vouch. They are very fun. They are. Yeah, I want to hang out in that garage, you know? Dude, they were down, um, I know you're up back at Hurley over the weekend, but they were down at the Red Zone tailgating with us. It was really fun. We missed you, bud. Yep, yep, I'll be at the next one. I'll be at the next one. Excited. But, uh, yeah, that Saturday, man, I I tell you what, it's interesting how you have a whole summer uh, of hype and everybody thinking, you know, playoff, beat Ohio State, all these things, and then they get to their first game and they just can't how damn loud it is. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. It was pretty loud, though. Not all sunshine <laughs> and dandelions, huh? I only heard but one I, person, I, I, mean, I think it was Grant tweeted this out from the Wisco Sports Show. It was, was it Ed? Ed and Madison said he's glad that it's louder in Camp Randall. It's uh, get, get, get some more upstarted. Like, more energy. Ed and I don't Madison need was there. Yeah, I don't need it, amplified noise. Any crowd noise. Yeah, it's like when I was at the Michigan game, uh, what was that year, probably like 2015 or 2016, uh, traveling with the cheerleading team, and they were talking about the big house. It's my first time there. I'm this huge college football fan. I'm thinking, man, I can't wait to go to the big house, watch my team play. And I get there, and all of it's just amplified crowd noise. They have, like, applause amplified, and then the music was just clearly compensating for the lack of enthusiasm for, you know, that was kind of a tough (laughs) – a tough time for that for that school. So um, I I was like, man, I texted my buddy who's still coaching the cheerleading team. He's on Camp Randall. I'm watching from a bar up in Hurley. I'm saying, dude, I'm sitting in a bar, and even I can hear nonstop by Drake just thumping through the bar <laughs> here. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and I can hear this Taylor Swift song playing uh, before this massive third down. This is uh, – this is kind of interesting. And, uh, yeah, he goes, it's awful here. And, he's, you know, he's a 25-year-old guy that likes to go out to Soto and clubs. So he's not he's not grandpa sitting on the front porch sipping, it, you know, tea. So I don't know. That it was definitely kind of, wasn't the music selection. It was just you couldn't hear yourself think. Yeah, uh, Spinal Tap turns it up to 11. RJ said they turned it up to 12. <laughs> yep. So, but, I mean, you can't be the music selection. You can't play. You can't play Taylor Swift before a third down. Enough That's about not. enough about Taylor Swift and and the music. <laughs> what do you think specifically of the game itself, Vega Bonjani? You were the uh, I would describe you leading into the game would be the 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 rain on the parade or the wet blanket uh, that is on the camping trip. You know, something that uh, uh, you're the contrarian of it. Well, I came in last week and I tried to dampen expectations for all these new things. Whether it's the music, whether it's the, you know the new energy <laughs> getting rid of you two, you know this quarterback, right? And I said, look, the one thing we know about him is he throws some brutal interceptions. Oh, it's just a spring game; it's just a practice. You can't take that. Well, now we got another data point. What are you going to say? And we're playing an inferior team. And I, I tell you what, I love Luke you Fickle, the spring game in for the data point. <laughs> Well, it's just because they threw four in front of a public practice, and everybody's kind of like, wow. You know, if Jordan Love did that, the media would be talking about it for that entire week, right? But, man, Tanner Mordecai does it. We can't we can't mention it, apparently, if you're Scary Alvarez on Twitter. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, you watch the game, and the guy is, you know, Mortimer until proven otherwise now because that was not good. And <laughs> what did you, just you know what? Said Mortimer. Mortimer. That's funny. It, Luke Fickle's damn lucky that he's got Paul Chris' best ever recruiting class carrying his his team. Uh, you know, until his new guys figure it out. Because the reality is, Mortimer. That's the Paul Chris team that we saw. Right? <laughs> they put up 500 yards. Do you know how long it has been since? Playing Wisconsin Badgers put up 500 yards in offense. Um, Years. 2011. 2019. No, it's been less than a year. New Mexico State last season, they put up 330 passing yards and 280 rushing yards. Mm. And all of these guys on the internet are like, oh, they just really opened up the rushing lanes. Man, you can just really smell the invigorated offense. And I'm sitting here thinking, Buffalo just couldn't tackle. We're playing a halfway decent tackling team, you know, and those long rushes are, you know, cut in half. 
that would have been an anemic offense against the MAC team. So I, I, it's, it's, you know, I watched the Nebraska Minnesota game and everybody wants to dunk on me because Nebraska lost, but I watched the Nebraska team physically dominate a Minnesota team and then just have, as Nebraska traditionally does, weird turnovers, three turnovers in scoring position to, to lose a conference game. Yeah, Rowdy, know, also, said, Rowdy also said he's not buying a, a Sims jersey either. <laughs> yeah, that guy's not great. But, you know, and then I watched Wisconsin kind of get a little lucky, and, and thank God we got Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi. I thank God those guys are still around because those guys were freaking awesome. Um, but Buffalo just had no no intention of tackling. And so, you know, I don't want to call in and, and pound my chest saying I'm right because obviously one by three touchdowns. I also wasn't saying they were going to lose last week, but I'm saying that all these new toys are certainly going to take some time to you're develop. Just stressing, and, you're just stressing patience and, like, you know, a longer – Leash or uh, I don't I don't know. How about this vagabond for a data point and your Nebraska one game of Colorado against, in my opinion, a TCU team that uh, is nowhere near what it was last year. Now everyone's saying that uh, you know this is a top twenty-five team. This is a great team. Where I don't believe that to be true. Nebraska plus three. That was a game that the Nebraska. look ahead line this summer was like minus eight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that, I'm excited. Well, I'm excited for that. The, the point I want to make on the Colorado game is, is, you know, if you are a Badger fan that's saying, no, I still think we can crush Ohio State at home. And I'm, I'm super excited. This is going to be the best Wisconsin offense ever. You know, they just need a lot of time because they have new players. Man, shut the hell up. Did you watch the Colorado game? They got 85 new players. Man, shut the hell up. They got a bunch. They got a bunch of new guys, and they out there go on, you know, national TV in an away game against the ranked team, whether they're good or not. And they actually lit up the scoreboard. And then you got Wisconsin over here. You know, they can't throw the dang ball. So, luckily, they can run the damn ball. Johnny, you demand. Well, Colin, as we get closer to Washington State, you know, coming up here on Saturday, and for your overperformed, you have the Commanders, underperformed the Jets. Correct? I'm writing them down. Yes. All right, buddy. Yep, that's the one. Hey, you demand, Vagabond. We love you, bud. See you. Man, yeah. I mean, Jets. Every, I think a lot of people are going to say Jets uh, for underperform and overperform. Uh, Rowdy got the Browns on there, and then uh, we're going to the Commanders with Vagabond Johnny. So get yours in as well. Let's go back to it. Line four. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Chad, let's go, Chad. Where have you been? Uh, you know, vagabonding around. <laughs> <laughs> you hanging out with Johnny over there? What's up, man? We miss you. How's life? Uh, life is great. Life is great. It's football season, man. I know. Got a draft tonight. Don't draft Kelsey. <laughs> uh, I, I actually was thinking about when I want to try to take him, when we're going to try to target Kelsey. That ACL is good, according to the Chiefs, right? Yeah, they said the ACL is intact. What did they say, Rowdy? It was <laughs> knee inflammation? Yeah, it sounds like this game, not likely, but two, three weeks, it feels like if Stash it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. This is a great tweet that I saw. If Travis Kelsey misses one to three weeks... That is the difference between Travis Kelsey being the number one tight end in fantasy and the number one tight end in fantasy because he's by <laughs> far the best tight end in fantasy and in the NFL. Stash him. <laughs> That's great. So, Chad, we got uh, Packers-Bears week. How are we feeling about Sunday, baby? Let's dump on him. You ready? Jordan Love going to continue dominance? Hopefully right in their oatmeal. <laughs> And you got an overperformer and an underperformer team? I do. Overperform going to be the New York Football Giants. Oh, the Giants. Uh, Saquon might kill people this year. Playing for a contract. As long as the body holds up, they might play some pretty good football. I noticed you didn't mention Daniel Dimes at all. Danny Dimes at all. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think you're going to be disappointed because the Mike McCarthy's fan club's biggest Ooh, fan is oh, going to underperform. There you go, them boys, under them boys. Them boys are going to suck. <laughs> NFC's pretty open, possible, though. I mean, Possible I week 12 firing of Mike Whoa, McCarthy. Whoa, you even throw it out a week, week 12 firing? Yep. Uh, Jerry Jones just said Dak Prescott's going to be there long term for the Dallas Cowboys. You think that's yeah, just smoking that, mirrors? That that's 
Cooper Rush is going to play half the year. <laughs> uh, so your two teams. And Jay, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Chad, what do you think of the Badgers before I let you go? Uh, so I, I don't understand why all these people are so upset. They want to change. Change came. Change sounds maybe kind of good, maybe kind of bad, but it's change. They'll figure it out. You know, it, it, <laughs> the, the Taylor Swift thing is kind of hilarious, but, I mean, it's what gets the people going, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what gets me less going. Taylor Swift or U two for what the streets have no name. I don't know which song fires me up less. I got Taylor Swift song or U two song. U two. I'll take Tay because at least she's got hot friends. U two suck. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just you remember when Apple put it on your phone? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even. So, you so couldn't better. even get it off. Yeah. How'd you even delete it? I can't. Yeah. It's still on my phone. You had to go through like a million steps to get it off. Yeah. Dude, it's like a raging case of herpes. It pops up every so often. Just... Yeah, and medication can't get rid of it. Yeah, you can't delete it. Yeah. It's there it's forever. Awful. Unbelievable. Chad, much love. It's nice you to hear from you. Don't be a stranger. Like See, you. See, See you, buddy. <laughs> it's like herpes. Uh, line uh, two, hello. Line three, hello. The kid. That's right. <laughs> there, there he is. is. There he is. All right. So six oh eight three two and sixteen seventy overperformers, underperformers in the NFL uh, right now. Commanders, Browns, Giants. Uh, getting thrown in the hat for overperformers. Under Lions, Jets, Cowboys. Uh, God, we were talking about the Cowboys. It was the Eagles number one. It was a CBS Sports post like a month and a half, two months ago. Eagles number one, and they had the Cowboys number two in the NFC. Uh, as ranked on by personnel in the NFL. Don't get it. Uh, th- that's the thing, right? Cowboys oh, will be the really chic pick to be like, these guys are going to really underperform. Yeah. As they do every year. It's not, the, it's not the 90s anymore. Yeah, it's you have a GM who doesn't understand how football works anymore. Um, you have a coach who hey. loves to run the football but never does and got Zeke out of town. Uh, you have... A quarterback who should be a world beater, but... Hey, he's makes... not going to throw 10 interceptions, okay? Hey, could be 9, could be 11, could be less, <laughs> could be more. We don't know. We it's don't... just not going to be 10. He's going to swing his hips around. Could I there. say for an underperformer, um, this might shock some people, the Buffalo Bills. Oh. oh. Don't let Randy hear you say that. Also talking today, uh, underperformers and overperformers in the NFL. Who do you think? Will overperform, who will underperform? 608 321 Going with uh, overperformers, so that will uh, shock some people. Couple votes in for the Commanders. Rowdy went with the Browns. And then we had another one come in the New York Giants with Saquon Barkley wanting to get his. Did, did you hit me with a, a Danny Dime stat yesterday about quality throws? Do you remember that? It was like seven. Yeah, quali- Pro Football Focus came out there and. They were there is a statistic for PFF where it's like I don't remember if it was a like quality throws or what the exact term was, but it was like really good game changing throws. Yeah, he had seven all of last year, the whole season, the entire season. Daniel Jones had seven quality throws, whatever the hell they were called. And Josh Allen in one playoff game against Miami had seven. Game changing quality, like high quality throws. Danny Dimes, seven in a season. Josh Allen, seven in a game. So clearly there is a bit of a gap between uh, quarterback tiers. Yeah. So over overperformer, Giants is on there. But on the under, speaking of Josh Allen, uh, Lions underperform, Jets underperform, Cowboys, and then Rowdy, was it you that threw the Buffalo yeah, Bills? Threw the in Bills there? on there. Yeah, to underperform. Now, I could be way off. Obviously, Josh Allen is the top five quarterback in football. Yeah. I could be off, but the defensive line and the edge rushers don't look as good. Uh, Von Miller is older, and it doesn't look like he'll be ready for week one. You look at the fact that there's clearly something wrong with uh, the receiving core with Buffalo. Like Isaiah McKenzie walked, which... I think he ended up getting cut with Indy, which was a huge surprise. But anyways, Stefan Diggs, there's clearly a problem there. Yeah. Like there's if there's smoke there, there's fire. And he was, he's clearly not happy. He clearly was stating that he wanted, obviously, what was it? 
He, clearly, he, he wanted the to money. be more involved. He, in the he wanted more involvement. He wanted the ball more. He wanted like input and in calling plays. Yeah. Like, and then you have Josh Allen going in on interviews saying, "Yeah, well, you know, the, the, everything's misconstrued. I love Stefan. Yeah, blah blah it's blah. Up to me to do Try, better. Yeah, trying to, trying to like kind of smooth it over. And then you have the head coach who's kind of out in front saying. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's like, like he's like, he just needs is, to show up. Yeah, we just need to play football. But like, so to, I don't know. It feels like a team that's also the Buffalo Bills feel like the Green Bay Packers just a few years behind. Because remember, the Packers in twenty twenty was like they had that twenty nineteen year where Rodgers looked like okay, he's back. The team's got some pieces. Like the next couple seasons, they should be in a window in which they can win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and they kept. Throughout those years, Max and the credit cards out, signing, uh, trying to go all in. They did it for three years, and then they couldn't do it anymore. Team had to be broken up. Obviously, the rest is history. Aaron Rodgers is now a Jet. Yeah. Well, the Buffalo Bills feel like they're kind of in that Green Bay 2020-2021 type, where they like they on paper have a pretty good team, but they're also starting to max out on credit cards and, sure, and yeah. salary cap issues, and now you have... Uh, Star wide receivers wanting out. Exactly. <laughs> it, it feels like something, especially if the Jets are as good as, as what they could be. And the Dolphins of last year, you have the Ravens should be better with Lamar Jackson healthy. Totally. My team that that I mentioned was Cleveland. I even think Pittsburgh. Like, dude. Like, hey, let, was balling in let's, preseason. Let's not write off Mike Tomlin yet. The dude he's has a never a been below 500 ever. Yeah, he's a great coach. And Kenny Pickett's coming back. And then you have Cincy. Which I think we all know Cincinnati's supposed to be yep. pretty good. You have Jacksonville, which it appears Trevor Lawrence is is a quarterback on the rise. And then you have the West where, hey, clearly you can't you're not gonna write off Kansas City anytime. No, no, no. Herbert's pretty darn good and the I I believe the, the Chargers offense could be even better. And then you have the Broncos. It's Sean Payton, it's Russell Wilson. They have some pieces out there. It's can they get them all together? Is yeah. Russell Wilson washed or not? It feels like one team that could fall off if some of these teams are going to step up. The Bills. It could be the Bills because there's more drama. All right, let's see you. Six oh eight three two and sixteen seventy. Line one. Good morning. Who's this? I'm a first-time caller. Let me introduce, introduce myself. My name's Big Ron in New Jersey. Big, Big Ron in New Jersey, my man. Welcome, Big Ron. Thanks for calling in. Oh, thank you. Um, I really like the show. Um, I really like – I'm a degenerate gambler myself. So I really like <laughs> Hell yeah, gambling. let's go. We're going to be gambling at 850 coming up here. Edge. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I love the, um, the podcast that Rowdy does with uh, Dave Essler. Big Ron, thank you, man. Appreciate it. We're blushing yeah. over here. We're blushing. Yeah, I, I tell you guys on all those picks, so I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you know, when I can, when I get to the podcast in time. Thanks, I'm, man. I'm appreciate the kind Ron. words. Well, Ron, let me ask you, Big Ron. Uh, overperformers, yeah. underperformers, NFL, what are you thinking? Like players or teams? Teams, teams, if you have any. Well, you know, I don't really want to make season-long predictions, but I do have a week one betting strategy yeah. for the NFL. Sure. And it, it really um, – speaks to underperformers. So it does kind of in a backdoor way answer your question cool. because, you know, I, I participate in survivor pools every year for the past, you know, 10 plus years. And the trend that I always see, I, you know, sometimes I'll have three, five entries in a survivor pool and without fail every year in week one, at least two of them will get knocked off. Cause mm-hmm. I'll just take the, you know, the teams that are favored by the biggest spread, you know, I'll just take, you know, five, five yeah. entries. I'll just take the five biggest favorites. Yeah. And, and put them out, you know, I won't pick the same team twice because I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. Sure. And without fail, two of them will get picked off outright. <laughs> and so what I've, what I've seen is a very solid trend over the past five, ten years where, you know, um, the uh, dogs in week one, you know, really come, you know, step up and come to shine. I just think the lines are inflated. You know, everyone's going off of last year's performance, and these teams get real retooled in the offseason. They add draft picks. They sign free agents. They have coaching changes. And so I'm going to take the top five dogs um, this upcoming week one. So that's Texans plus 10, Arizona plus seven, Tampa Bay plus six, Detroit plus five and a half, and the Rams plus five and a half. And I think you'll have two of those teams win outright, and then you only need one out of three to cover, of the remaining three to cover, and you got a winning day. And if you get two out of the three to cover, you've you got a nice four-in-one week. So that's my bet. My um 
my NFL betting strategy. As far as um, college, I, I'm buying into the Colorado hype. I love Colorado <laughs> plus three. Now, Ron, is, you said you're a degenerate gambler. You said you're a degenerate gambler. Rowdy, what did you say about Colorado coming up here? I can't wait to do what? I can't wait until they keep winning until they can just fade them <laughs> against a yeah, yeah. good, good team. They're a good team, and I just I saw the game you know, against TCU, and then I saw the Nebraska-Minnesota game, and just the eye test tells me that Colorado is more than three points better than Nebraska. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And I think the game's at Colorado, too. Yep. Um, so um, I also like a little bit less, but I do like the over 58 and a half um, I'm in that game. I think Colorado's defense was suspect against TCU. I think Nebraska will be able to put up more than the 10 points yeah. or whatever they put up against um, yeah. against Minnesota. And then um, and then in the Badger game, I don't. There's been a big line move. It opened at four and a half, and it's up to six and a half. The Badgers are six and a half point favorites. I would fade the Badgers. I just. That quarterback for Wazoo is good. He threw for 450 yards and three touchdowns and, more importantly, zero picks. And with Tanner Mordecai, I don't trust him. I, I think he has shaky decision-making at best. He threw two picks against Buffalo. Yeah. Um, really had some – you know, he's thrown double-digit picks in his last two years at SMU, each of those last two years. He, he reminds me a little bit of Graham Mertz' decision making. Oh, man. big Ron! That's the second big person. Ron. That's the second person to say that. <laughs> yeah, but what, who's who, did Vagabond? Vagabond yeah. called him. Uh, what did he call him? Morta Mertz. Morta Mertz. Morta Mertz. Oh, Morta Mertz. That's hilarious. That cut I love deep. That. that cut deep. Will Jordan Love continue on with the ownership of the Chicago Bears? Uh, will the Bears be better than three wins? Rowdy, I'm looking at ceilings and floors. And I'm not remodeling my house. NFL teams. Chicago Bears, a record of 3-14 and 14 in 2022. Their ceiling, according to CBS Sports, 8-9 and nine misses the playoffs. Their floor, 6-11. and 11. Also, obviously, missing the playoffs. I think that's a ceiling of 8-9 and nine for the Chicago Bears. I think that's actually low. They say wins are nice, but Justin Fields taking a major step in his development as a passer is the end game for the Bears in 2023. I think if you look at that roster, at running back, they're all right. At uh, wide receiver, they have some decent options. But the offensive line, if if it ends up being better, if Cole Komet lives up to the contract he just signed, and you look at the defense being improved from what it was yet still having some of the veterans that were good players on that roster. Yeah. I feel like I could see that team, especially because the NFC North is in such a weird spot this year. Wide open, isn't it? You have the, the quarterback position needs to be proven in Chicago. It needs to be proven in green Bay. The the Lions in general just have to prove it. And then the Vikings feel like they're on kind of that um, downslope yeah. of this window of time to win something like this. This feels like it's kind of it for Minnesota. It's like win now or you're blowing this thing up. Mm-hmm. Well, that gives a lot of different that gives every team a lot of opportunity. Opportunity is the key word here for the NFC North. And I feel like if Justin Fields becomes the quarterback that he was at Ohio state or the quarterback that he was coming out of high school, and we already know what, what he can do in the NFL at the NFL level. And that's run really well. And that's, that's pick up, you know, yards and extend plays with his feet. If he can match what he was doing in college, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't say the Bears with this improved roster couldn't win 10 games. Do I think he becomes all of a sudden that good in one season? I'd probably say no, but I'm saying if he did, I wouldn't be surprised if they won 10 games. So for their ceiling, they say, uh, let's see here, expecting Fields to take a Jalen Hurts type leap may be a little much, but this is a crucial year for his development. Yeah, I feel like if you're a Bears fan, you... I, if I was a Bears fan and I saw a little bit of improvement this year, I wouldn't be ready to get off the Justin Fields bus yet. But I don't know if I could give him more than this season and next season. Like then that's it. That's it. You can't. You can't keep saying, "Well, if it's coming. It's good." Well, he's he's got a year or two left. Yeah. Uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, they're ceiling eleven and six, winning the NFC North. Well, I mean, who's the best quarterback in the NFC North right now? Kirk Cousins. I don't think Minnesota is going to be that great. Their floor is seven and ten, missed the playoffs according to CBS Sports. See, I feel like the eleven feels high for me on Minnesota, 
But I kind what of were they last year? Thirteen and four, luckiest team in the NFL. But I I feel like they're a team that should have a higher floor because of quarterback play, because of the you know Justin Jefferson could arguably be the best non quarterback player in the NFL. Like because of some of the play, TJ Hawkinson is now inked up there. If yeah. he stays healthy, he's a top in my mind. He's a top five tight end in, in football. Like they got some really good offensive pieces. But they had a Jordan Addison, obviously Justin Jefferson. Defensively, what they get? Defensively, they're just Davenport. Is, they're they're not as good as we remember, like the Kendricks and Barr Vikings that we talked about earlier in the show. Yeah. But I feel like that's a team where their ceiling and floor are closer. Yeah, like the, like totally. the Bears where Justin Fields plays really well, that could be a double-digit win team. If he doesn't, they're back to five or six wins like the article said. Yeah. But that's a huge gap just coming down to Justin Fields' play. No. I feel like we know what Kirk Cousins is. We know what a lot of these guys are. Their floor versus ceiling, I probably would have made Close. it like seven, seven or actually I'm going to say eight and nine. Or nine and eight. They feel like a very 500 team. Like that's their floor and ceiling? Yeah. Like they're going to be a pretty 500 ish team. And then I'll say the Packers for last. They have the Detroit Lions. Now, the Lions are the media darlings uh, outside of the um, the Kansas City Chiefs. And tomorrow we'll get the Chiefs hosting the Detroit Lions. So you look at the Lions, they have their ceiling as 10 and 7 make the playoffs, and their floor 7 and 10 miss the playoffs. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. I read the wrong one. Detroit Lions, excuse me, twelve and five is their ceiling, win the NFC North, and their floor is nine and eight. Missed the playoffs. Excuse me. See, I think out of all of the quarterbacks in the NFC North, if I had to rank them on who I think is good right now today, Kirk Cousins is number one. Yes, Jared Goff is clearly number two to me. Yeah, totally. But we don't know much about Jordan Love. It's a lot of ceiling. We don't know a ton about Justin Fields because he had, we mentioned this too, all the changes in OCs, changes in coaching, changes in front office, changes in even the skilled players. There's not a lot of continuity there, um, but he's got a ceiling, but we don't know. And then you could, uh, I would say, pick him out of a hat. I think it would be one Cousins, two Goff, Three and four doesn't matter. Both guys you don't know a ton about that have ceilings. But if I'm going to rate it on, you know, guys with ceilings and what they can be if they reach what some people think they can, Jared Goff's last. <laughs> He's last. Yeah. He, if, he doesn't, if they all can reach their ceilings. Yeah. He, he doesn't have nearly the ability that the other the other two in Jordan Love or, or Fields has, and he's already worse than Kirk Cousins. That, that's how I see it. So, I don't know. The Lions still have to prove it for me. I feel like on paper, the Lions look great. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have Jared Goff, who's a steady quarter. And I'm not saying Jared Goff sucks. I'm just saying he's a steady quarterback. He's he's not great. He's not wowing but you. He's not, he's not bad. Yeah. He's a middle of the road quarterback. He's probably what most Green Bay Packer fans would take from Jordan Love. Yeah, totally. But um, so Lions ceiling a twelve and five, a floor of nine and eight. I think that floor is a little high. And they say nine and eight, and that would miss the playoffs. But uh, the offensive line on paper should be really good. You have David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs that are going to be in your running back room. Yeah. Obviously, you yeah, have Ron, some pretty Ron. good, yeah, wide receivers. And then the defense was a lot better the second half of the season than the first half of the season. And you, a lot of people believe in, in Campbell. A lot of people believe in his coaching staff and, and Ben Johnson and some of these guys. But I don't know. they got to prove it. they got to see it. It's the Lions. Exactly. It's when's the, Lions. The, when's the last time the Lions have won 12 games? When's the last time they won the NFC North? I'm, 93. Yeah. It's, that was it, before I was born. I was... I was that was thirty years ago. Look at that. Barry Sanders was still running the football. <laughs> Brett Favre was in his infancy with the Green Bay Packers. The Buccaneers were in the division, the Central. <laughs> I mean, we did them all, but the Packers. Your Green Bay Packers, according to CBS Sports, their ceiling. Wouldn't this be nice? 
11 and 6 and win the NFC North after uh, moving on from Aaron Rodgers, obviously, and the supremacy that Rodgers brought to the Packers and the NFC North, and before that, Brett Favre. To Jordan Love continue on to be 11 and 6 and win the NFC North. That would be a thing of beauty in Jordan Love's first year starting, especially with this young team. Got some talent surrounding him, hopefully. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Aaron Jones. And that defense, here's the thing we'll get this more tomorrow. Do you, are you going to believe in the defense? Or is it one of those things like, fool me once or fool me twice, then, you know, shame on me? Will the, will, do you trust the defense, Rowdy? For what we know as Packer fans our whole lives, and the defense, you can never trust them? You actually trust it going into the season? Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of like the Lions to me. Yeah. <laughs> they got to they gotta <laughs> prove, prove it. it. Because how many times have we been told, and I would say more or less post-Super Bowl, that you know the, the, the Green Bay Packers should have a good defense. And then when they finally did have a, a decent defense, that was, what, the year after? That was like, oh, Green Bay might have a top five defense and the best defense in the league. And all of the experts from, like, your ESPNs or your NFL networks or whichever you were looking at, like, almost everyone was saying, yeah, this is a top ten, top five, could be top defense in the in the league. Then they were like middle of the road. <laughs> like, and then big games they disappoint you. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, wow. Like I get it. They so had some, the same thing they had as last good year. Years in there, like with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, where they were like a top fifteen, top twelve, might even have snuck in the top ten once in the in those you know end of the Rogers good years with the Packers, the 2019, 2020, 2021 yeah. type seasons. The defense was pretty good. I think if they get those type of defenses. And Jordan Love is middle of the road. Yeah, this this could be a. I don't know if I'd go eleven wins. Eleven and six. That's their nine ceiling. and eight. Oh, here's their floor: seven and ten, and miss the playoffs. Love is the biggest wild card in the NFC, as his performance will reflect on the Packers' season. Obviously, Green Bay has a lot of young players. The franchise is banking on to perform immediately, including rookies Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed. Offense line is good, but the health of David Bakhtiari is always a question mark. Darnell Savage Jr. has one of the safety spots locked down. Oof. But who starts next to him? And does this team have enough depth on defense? If love is good, most of those problems can be masked. I actually kind of see the Bears and the, the Packers as like kind of the same teams. Like, I know the Green Bay Packers have a good offensive line when healthy. I know that the Chicago Bears were better than they were two years ago, and then they went and spent more draft capital and more money on the offensive line. So you'd have to imagine that their offensive line is better. But I'd probably give the edge to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I look at running backs. Chicago's aren't bad. They're not good. They're not Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon one too good. But Khalil Herbert's pretty solid. And uh, Johnson, the rookie that they drafted, I know there's some people that like him. So I don't think they have a bad tandem. I would give the edge to Green Bay. Yeah. Then you look at um, wide receiver core. I would say the wide receiver core for the Bears is more proven. But there's definitely some talent. In Green Bay, we've clearly we've seen it with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and a lot of the young, but it's more established talent in Chicago, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You look at uh, the tight ends. Cole Komet is more established, but Green Bay has a lot of young, a lot of upside, right? Like yeah, like people like what they've seen from Lucas Musgraves mm-hmm. in in uh, preseason. Obviously, Tucker Kraft has the ability to be a, a decent player, too, in, in both a blocker and a pass catcher. But, you know, maybe you give slight edges to the to the wide receiver and tight ends to the Bears just off the top of my head. Then you look at the defense, and both teams have had has some good veteran players on defense, and the defense is – there's no way that the defenses should be terrible. I would say what when you look at it, it really comes down to quarterback. And – We've been saying that this entire time we've been breaking these teams down in this division, but it's true. Maybe you could say, oh, I think the Green Bay roster is slightly better than the Chicago roster. Okay, well, slightly better, but with a crappy quarterback doesn't mean Jack. <laughs> right. No like, well, Jordan Love, is, is Jordan Love the biggest wild card in the well, NFC? I think looking at the quarterback position, uh, clearly you give experience to Justin Fields. Yep. I think I would say that arm talent is clearly with – Jordan Love, 
athletic ability. Both are athletic. I would say running Justin Fields is is an overall better runner. Oh, totally. I mean, he's setting records last year doing it. And then what it really comes down to is decision-making, turning the football over. Both guys have been known to be able to turn the football over. Yeah. Justin Fields has forced throws. We know that in his last year with uh, Utah State. Jordan Love force throws. I think it, I think both guys do have high ceilings, and I, I think both have their strengths where maybe the other might, but then that, like Jordan Love should be a better thrower of the football, better arm, pure arm talent than Justin Fields, but he can't do what Justin Fields does running. Yeah. I think that kind of equals out for playmaking ability. It's just you can't turn the football over. Nope. Can do it, and, and Fields likes to do that. Fields too. has a little bit more experience, but uh, but that uh, that being said, I think it really does come down to quarterback play and and where these two come in because the rosters overall have some good players, have some talent in certain spots. How do you use them? How does Love do? Packers Packers are kind of that old aging veteran, like your David Bakhtiari's or Devondre Campbell's, those type of players, or it's young talent, but they've only shown flashes where the Bears have kind of young talent, and it's not necessarily those those um, Bakhtiari types that are you know kind of coming to the end of their tenure. They're guys they just brought in. These are guys that are supposed to be in the primes of their career. Yeah. Our guy Vega Bonjani says, who has more wins this season, Wisconsin or the Packers? I think they both land at eight. Oof. I would go with the Badgers. More, yeah. What, you said nine? We, we've done this nine. before. Nine. We talked about this months ago. Yeah. I think the Badgers floor, like the floor floor for me for the Badgers is eight. I'm thinking they win nine with this type of schedule. If they really hit their strides, would you really shake your head and scoff at 10 and two or 11 and one? If they really play yeah, well, I, I don't, I just, I can't see the Packers getting to 11 wins. This is tough on Clayton Andrews. Yeah, so this guy's bad in his major league career. He's thrown 48 pitches. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He's given up nine earned runs. Oh my god! I mean, that's that's, that's not, not good. good. That's, that's not good. That is, he is giving up an earned run every just over five pitches. That's <laughs> that's basically one bad. Why did they call? Why? Why? Why is he here? Because he's a lefty. That's the only reason I can come up with. There's really no other reason. He's giving up an earned run every five pitches in his major league baseball career. How is he a major? How does he have a major league baseball career? I would, you know, there are those people no that offense. say, I, you know, if this didn't happen, I could have done this or I could be better than, you know, said athlete. That's clearly way, yeah. way more. Athletic I didn't hurt than my them. knee. Uh, you know, I could have gone. When, pro. I, when I say, I think I could pitch in the big leagues and not give up an earned run every five pitches. I think I could actually maybe do that. I would, I I would probably take, I would take that for you, Rowdy. I would say, yeah, I agree with you. Clayton Andrews. Uh, wow. An ERA of 43. Jesus. All right, Rowdy. So uh, speaking of the Milwaukee Brewers, how did, good did it feel to have Woody go out there? Pitching needed it. Seven scoreless, getting it going. Yeah, needed it. And Brandon Woodruff, uh, continues to pitch pretty well, even though it's limited starts this year, obviously with the injuries. But uh, yeah, they needed the start from Woodruff, and the offense woke up, scored seven runs. Now, the one thing that is a little nerve wracking is the bullpen, and I know we're talking about the bullpen. I know we we brought up Andrews there, but it's not just him. It feels like this bullpen with. Piguero went through his time in July where he was struggling. Joel Piamps has kind of struggled so far. Uh, let's just monitor to see where that bullpen is at here at the end of the year. Just because they did at the end give up. Well, Clayton Andrews gave up three runs and then they had guys on and they had to get out of it. But uh, yeah, overall big game for the Brewers. They needed it. Let's see if they can't win an early morning first pitch on an East coast getaway. Day. Yeah. Friggin' broadcast starts at 11 o'clock, 11.35, first pitch. Speaking of pitches, Rowdy, we do have a, a comment in here. Our guy Nagy says, I would love to see Rowdy's arsenal up on the mound. Rowdy, if you're up on the mound, and we gave you, what, I guess six pitches to not give up a, a an earned run? What, what would what would Rowdy be throwing out there on the mound? Would you get him with the high heater? Here's the thing. Throwing the, the junk? 
I could intentionally walk the first two hitters and I got a better average. <laughs> Rowdy's kind of figured out, I don't even got to pitch to the guy. I can just walk his ass. And walk then the next the first guy. two guys, that's eight pitches. And I uh, haven't given up a run. <laughs> there you go. Set it up. It's like Ashley Schaefer versus Kenny Powers. <laughs> and he's bounding down. Rowdy. What's, Rowdy Razor versus Clayton Andrews. It was in the arsenal of that of that army yours, Rowdy. Uh, we would have a fastball, a changeup, curveball, and a cutter. Uh, Mike and Porter says, what about the Ephus? Uh, that's also in play. <laughs> Rowdy's out there hitting him with a knuckle. Got that knuckleball coming in. Wobbly. I will not <laughs> claim to throw 80. Yeah, Z and the D's claim to throw 80. Z and the D, could you do better than Clayton Andrews, who sits at an ERA of 43, gives up a run every five pitches? <laughs> wow. The, let's see here. Another comment here. DFM and let him pursue his career as a circus attraction. That comes from the worst Brewers fan. So you look. <laughs> Clayton Andrews, that is. Uh, that well, it didn't make sense when they brought him up. It was like you had a few options. You know what's actually kind of concerning? Is that this guy's it, on the team? Yeah, and if he's on the team because he's left-handed, I literally do, I I can't come up with another reason on why. Maybe he's got dirt on on Craig uh, on Craig Council. Maybe his dirt on Craig like height shamed him on, or something. Uh, Matt Arnold. I don't I don't know, but I don't know why he's on this team. Best guess I have for you is because they wanted another lefty out of the bullpen. But what's concerning about that is Eric Lauer is left-handed. Oh, Eric, Eric Lauer has pitched for the Milwaukee Brewers and Major League Baseball in general and has been good in the past. You're telling me Eric Lauer's ERA isn't above 40? Eric Lauer was the guy that he was getting shelled this year, obviously went on the aisle with an injury. He was getting shelled in AAA. And then all of a sudden, though, after the first, I think, start or two, he's turned it around. And last I looked, this was a while ago, he had an ERA under three in AAA. Obviously, they didn't have enough confidence in Eric Lauer to bring him up and and to put him on the 40-man for what would be uh, your September call-ups and guys that would be ready for um, potentially the playoff run. So that's kind of alarming that um, they're going with a guy (laughs) like this over Lauer because where are you at, Eric Lauer? Like, I don't know. The Brewers have made some really weird moves this year. I'll be, I'll be honest about that one with not giving guys that have been good in the past chances and, and not bringing them back up, but yet still doing like the Jesse Winker experiment. Yeah, with Keston Hero toils away in the, the so minors. I'm saying, like they never gave that guy one at bat in the major leagues. And then they're, then they're like, well, if we bring him up and he doesn't play well, we'll have to DFA him. And then anybody that, that wants can claim him. Here's the thing. You don't want him. <laughs> like you haven't brought him up. Who cares if anyone has to claim him? You've done anything with yeah, him. Yeah, he hasn't clearly done anything for your if if that were to happen, he clearly didn't do anything for your major league team. He's got the most home runs that the Brewers have, but he's just having to be the minors. And you didn't you, you like I don't know. It's mind numbing. I don't get it. It's that that almost feels like a personal vendetta. Okay, Keston here not ever getting called up or Clayton Andrews who carries a 43.2 ERA getting called up for the extended roster. What do I? Sorry, what was the? Just as much as more mind numbing. This guy's got an ERA of forty three point two. Clayton Andrews, like he's, how does he even have a career? He's got two strikeouts and how many pitches do you said he's done so far? Forty eight. Jesus. I mean, the guy <laughs> pitched well in AAA, but it's AAA, and the big leagues are clearly a different animal. Yeah. Well, my God. But yeah, I, it's it is if he, weird. If you see him in the playoffs and the Brewers are there, no, uh, I will vomit. I will, I will, I will pee. If he keeps up pitching like this, and it's every time he comes in, it's it's like Wei Chong Wang. <laughs> it's just ton of runs are going up on the board. At I'll, this I'll point, you know, I don't care about lefty on lefty or any matchup. Just give me a guy that's somewhat competent. <laughs> All right, Rowdy, if, if an ear, incompetence is calling a guy up with an ERA of 43.2, what would be a competent ERA in his, in his hey, 40? So, <laughs> 32? You know how uh, J.A. Krebs was like, oh, not my ace, not my ace, with yeah, uh, Corbin Burns? Corbin Burns yeah. And obviously, Brandon Woodruff is his ace. Yeah. Do you know who still has the, who has the third most starts on the Milwaukee Brewers? The third most? The third most. Is it Burns? No. He, him and Peralta are one and oh, two. two. 
Who's third most? Colin Ray. Oh, Colin Ray. Who, by the way, got a win over the weekend. Yeah, with the against the Phillies. Yeah. But isn't that just Colin Ray? He's made the third most starts from the Brewers this year. That's yeah. That's when you say it out loud, it's bizarre, isn't it? And the fact that they're in first place. Yeah. I. <laughs> Let's go to the phones line one. Some Hello. things just don't make sense. No. Yellow. Boys. Hey, Brett. What's going on? Hey. hey. Nothing. I, I think, you know, who'd be better to throw out there is any position player to pitch. Just hmm. throw and slot, and it would be better than this guy. I, I don't think you're off base on that. I mean, know? from what he has shown in his three appearances in the big leagues, I would say you would be correct. Yeah. Just throw throw Evo out there. How about Rowdy out there? Rowdy's got the moxie for it. You just go out there. You you throw at the first pitch, and Council's like, "All right, I think you're gone." Rowdy's got it. I will promise you this: if my first pitch was taken deep, my second pitch would be well inside, up and in for the next batter. You'd be dusting I'm gonna, off. I'm going to be telling them that this is my plate. I've always wanted to be going, a knuckleball pitcher. For the ringer, like a knuckleball pitcher, has always been my favorite. So I would out there be trying to throw knuckleballs. I don't even think I could probably get it to the plate. Like it's that's just I got to perfect the craft, you know. Yeah, that's true. Those are tough. Yeah, always love me some Tim Wakefield. Someone who who used to throw it to where it didn't even rotate once. Wakefield. Oh, just sick. Yeah, that thing is just just sick. Mm. But yeah, no, throw it. Shoot, why don't you just go out and see if Bakhtiari's available and have him pitch? Well, that'd be great. We need we need He'd him focusing better. all his energy on playing on Sundays. So I don't any any all extracurricular right. stuff is is not good for David. Plus, uh, plus Donald Driver. History would tell us that it is not a good idea for Packers to be on the mound. Clay, oh, Matthews, Clay Matthews took one back in the teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. took him to the dome. Yeah, that was softball yeah, though. That is that was, different? That was rough. Yeah. Well, American Family Field needs some updates. You saw that, a study done by the Brewers, they commissioned a study, found that, what, $428 million of work needed to uh, be done. And what would it go towards? Well, the study laid out some cost estimates for $105 million, Rowdy, architecture and interiors, for $55 million, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and fire protection, $62 million to structure, $99 million to technology, Fifteen million for vertical transportation, whatever that is, elevators. <laughs> Thirty-six million to roofs. Seventeen million for concession infrastructures and miscellaneous. Thirty-four million dollars. That's where you get four hundred and twenty-eight million to uh, update American Family Field. Seems like a lot of money, right, Rods? Like I don't know, someone who owns a team who's you know really rich probably should I don't know invest into. Their investment, wouldn't you say? I still can't believe that it appears they made that stadium as poorly as they did. And by that, I mean the fact that they were using parts that you can only find on eBay now. Yeah, because like, they, they don't manufacture them anymore. It, it almost feels like when they were throwing the stadium together, it's like they used the cheapest parts possible, which were the oldest and already going out of date. And they're like, yep, we're gonna slap this all together and we're gonna we're gonna build this stadium. <laughs> Instead of like using all of like the top of the line stuff. Because the thing is I mean, maybe it was at the time or something. I have no idea. But you it figured, wasn't though. You figure they'd still make the parts for it. Because so American Family Field, aka Miller Park, when it was built, there have been other stadiums that have been built before and other stadiums obviously built after that are still in use, but the ones that are built before, I've never heard this big hoopla about, well, we couldn't even find parts. The parts we have are not, they don't work anymore. They don't make them. Like, it wasn't like this was 100 years ago. No, this is, no. Well, check this out. On the money side of things, you know, you need a lot of money to fix this. Otherwise, you know, we might move. Hang that over your head, right? Well, Milwaukee's Brewers principal owner, Mark Ananasio, he's spending money. But in Norfolk, England, he is upping the stake in the North Norwich City Football Club. He is upping his stake that he bought not too long ago at 15.9%. 15.9%. Rowdy, 
He is now moving to 40% on par with the current majority owners of Norwich City Football Club. He is going to be putting some mad cash into his stake for soccer in England. As right now, apparently American Family Field needs a lot of updating, and they also started to hang over the, we could move over your head. What's going on here with our I just uh, wish this would have came out like pre-trade deadline. Because I think overall, since the trade deadline, you would say you got to be pretty happy with the improvements the Milwaukee Brewers have made. Like, uh, Carlos Santana has been pretty good. Uh, Mark Canna has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Andrew Chafin really hasn't, but I digress. Um, <laughs> Even yeah, shaved. T- two out of the two out of the three, and it was two guys in which you brought in to be hitters came in and, and have been pretty good. If this would have been a an article that came out before the trade deadline, I would have made some joke about how. <laughs> Uh, you know, Mark Ananasio's baseball team and soccer team both score about at the same clip. <laughs> Pretty much. So Ananasio, what, uh, purchased the Brewers before the 2005 season for $223 million. Now at the most recent uh, valuation of the franchise from Forbes, it put the Brewers in worth at $1.6 billion. Pretty good investment, right? Speaking of investments, so see if you can figure this out, Rowdy, with your math. You're a lot better than math than I am. 15.9% was the stake that Mark Adonazio put in Norwich City Football Club, and it was $11.5 million. Okay. He is now upping, and that was in uh, September 12, two, uh, 2022, $11.5 million, which was 15.9% stake. He is now upping his stake to 40%. If no, you could, that's not, I mean, that's not that much. I know it's not not that much, but at the same time, you need all these things done at American Family Field, and he ain't going to pay a penny. I would say that would be close to $30 million. It's around $30 million is the stake now that he is going to be putting into uh, as a majority. He will become a majority on par with the other majority shareholders. That's just a rough estimate. Yeah, yeah. 30-ish million dollars, probably closer to 25. So Brewers fans, when you see a big bill out there sitting at $428 million, and Mark Ananasio putting in more up to $30 million, around $30 million for a soccer team in England that's not even that good. They're in like two levels below the EPL or three levels, whatever the hell it is. What, how does that make you feel? 608-321-1670. I don't know, Rowdy. I feel like, you ever feel like an ownership, I don't know, pitch in and keep up his investment? His yeah, but I know, I know that there are people that'll say, but when you look at who owns the stadium that it's, you know, like the district or the, the County or whatever, I don't know the details specifically. So I get where those people come from too, but it's kind of like clearly a lot of that is set up in favor of the owner. Oh yeah. Cause it's sure. like, could you imagine if you just had the capital where you could buy said team and like for Mark Ananasio is super cheap. Like, Super cheap, just in general. Yeah, two hundred and twenty-three million dollars for the crew. Because he never could have bought the Yankees at the same time for that. No, like, and then with the leagues just gaining and gaining more and more money every single year. No, I, I, I just think overall, when you can come in and pay relatively cheap price for a commodity that you know is going to go up. And then at the same time, you can already have like the the stadium in place, knowing that you really don't have to put yeah. a ton of money you into it. You don't have to pay for it, but and you're already not going to pay a ton of salaries. <laughs> like, this guy is just laughing all the way to the bank. Here, yeah, here's the thing: if I had the money, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, because oh, yeah. it's it's a can't lose investment. That's what rich people are. That's what they do best, Rowdy. They use other people's money. Yeah. Like tell me, That's classic tell rich me, guy move. Tell me exactly how Mark Ananasi would lose money in this case. I, like he, I he doesn't really have to pay for a ton of stadium updates. No, he already doesn't, he doesn't spend anything on you know the roster compared to other teams, and he got it for pretty cheap. And I think the last time I saw, 
it, that investment alone, just in the evaluation, was like three times. Yeah, it went from two hundred twenty-three million in two thousand five. It's now worth one point six billion. Never mind. That's even way more than that. <laughs> yeah, I just said a little bit ago. Yeah. Like this guy right here. Yeah. That's right. why if, if that's why all these rich people, including the Aaron Rodgers and LeBron James and so and so, they try to get in on sports teams. Yeah. All right, well, uh, can't lose. Russell Wilson, though, this story broke yesterday, and I'm glad that someone finally did it because I think we've all wanted to say this to Russell Wilson for the longest time. Broncos' new head coach, Sean Payton, told Russell Wilson to stop effing kissing all the babies. You're not running for public office. End quote. Will you stop effing or will you effing stop kissing all the babies? You're not running for public office. He said Russell Wilson needs to focus less on Russell Inc. and more on being a normal individual. Stop being so weird. Rowdy, how long have we been wanting to say that to Russell Wilson? Someone said it. Remember when Russell Wilson was all about being a great quarterback and, and studying the game and all of that, you know, more of the football stuff? Yeah. When he was with the Badgers, or you could even go back to NC State, but the Badgers, you can look at his early days with the Seahawks. Then post the Legion of Boom, it's like they went with signing a few of those guys from the Legion of Boom and Russell Wilson. And obviously the the defense kind of deteriorated, but also those guys got older. And then because they had signed Russell Wilson, because they had signed... Uh, some of those defensive players like the Cam Chancellors and Richard Shermans, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. They didn't have money for the offensive line, and Russell Wilson was running for his life. And then it was ever since then, it was like Russell Wilson always thought that he was the man and he was the superstar. And then it was Sierra. Yeah, and all this Mr. stuff. Unlimited. And it almost feels like it's cheesy. A guy like it's Pete fake. Carroll, who is a more of a you rah rah guy and a pretty good coach. I mean, look at what he's done in college and the NFL. Um, He was worn thin and sick of Russell Wilson. And clearly there was a disconnect between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, and they were ready to move on. And Pete Carroll's remember. I remember when we were talking about this, when it happened, remember it was like, Oh man, this is a little, this is a little wild that you're moving on from the 30 year old quarterback who still has probably with how we see quarterback lives going another decade, but you're not ready to move on from a guy that's in his late sixties at the time <laughs> or nearly 70 year old head coach. Cause he doesn't have that long shelf life left. Mm-hmm. Just purely thinking about it, what we were—I remember sitting there going, "Like, well, Pete Carroll can't have more than like a handful of years left." And you're telling me that Russell Wilson could play another decade? <laughs> yes. That that and and we know that quarterback is the most important position on the field. Like that doesn't make a ton of sense. Maybe is Russell Wilson washed? Well, maybe it's not that he's washed. It was that they just didn't want to deal with yeah, the this stick, crap anymore. The stick had ran away and so then thin. They finally get rid of him. They find a great deal from the Denver Broncos and then Denver brings in because they had brought in Nathaniel Hackett to try and lure Aaron Rodgers yeah. and clearly Nathaniel Hackett was not ready to be a, an NFL no, head coach. No, no, no. And then it's like, well, Aaron Rodgers' plan didn't work. Let's bring in Russell Wilson. And then Russell Wilson just basically comes in here and, yeah, I'm the man. I'm in charge of everything. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to have my own uh, office. He he brought in his whole support staff apart from team employees. He brought in a – he reportedly had a workspace on the floor where players readily were his own office with an open-door policy and his own plays. Yeah. Basically – Nathaniel Hackett. Basically, the inmates got to run the asylum there. One, one for inmate Russell Wilson. who was exceptionally insane in Russell Wilson. But then that's the other thing. Then the then your teammates like he would make a good Gotham villain in a Batman movie. Then your teammates get pissed because it's like, why does this guy get an office? Why do I have to go into this guy's office? Like this is this yeah, should be why in does the a player room? have an office in the coaching wing? Like I'm bad. <laughs> it's bizarre. And now Sean the Payton, fact that Nathaniel Hackett allowed that to happen, you kind of got to go, you, you really were in over your head. Yeah. And then Sean Payton comes in and is like, none of this is happening. And by the way, Hackett had the worst coaching job in the history of the NFL. If you remember that story, 
then Sean Payton had to come out and be like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. That's not me. That's my bad. Like, he apologized for it. I don't think he was wrong. But now he's telling Russell Wilson, will you effing stop kissing all the babies? You're not running for public office. And Focus on being a quarterback. Let's also remember that he was the coach of the Saints when they had Bounty Gate. And some, what was it? Some of the things were saying, oh, he didn't know. Others saying, yep. oh, he knew, but he just allowed it, blah, blah, blah. Clearly, if you're wrapped up in that, <laughs> you're, you're, you're all about the business of winning, whether it be pushing the limits or not. So, yeah, I think a guy that would be all right with uh, knowing Bounty Gate was going on would be all right with telling Russell Wilson to shut the F up and straighten <laughs> up. Yes. All right. Uh, we'll take a break here. Oh, full circle. Uh, coming in the Dunkaroos conversation we had, uh, our listener in Shano, the King. Thank you, Rory. Rowdy, check your mentions. Dunkaroo teamed up back in March with Ja Morant. There's Ja Morant on the package of Dunkaroos dunking one of the wafer cookies into a thing of chocolate. Wow. Talk about rebranding gone wrong. Teaming up with Ja Morant for Dunkaroos. You hope that guy didn't go on Instagram Live and start uh, flashing off a gun and, and eating them. Man, there you go. Dunkaroos with John well. Moran. 